Hi and welcome to the Allplane podcast where we talk with the movers and shakers that are redefining the future of commercial aviation. As usual, before we start, let me remind you once more that all previous episodes of this podcast as well as many other aviation stories are available on the Allplane website. That's allplane.tv, A-L-L-P-L-A-N-E.tv. Here on this podcast, we've been privileged to have been able to speak with a good number of entrepreneurs that are working really hard to disrupt the aviation industry, to disrupt it for the better, of course, particularly on the sustainability front. But today, I wanted to get also the point of view of the industry to get a better grasp of what is being done by the major players in aviation, in commercial aviation, so the airlines. And who else better to ask about this than the International Air Transport Association, IATA. This is the industry body that represents around 300 airlines worldwide, including most of the major ones. This is why our guest today is Hemant Mistry, Director of Energy Transition at IATA. Hemant oversees this organization's efforts in areas such as sustainable aviation fuel, SAF, which is very central to IATA's plans for decarbonization. IATA is also evaluating other technologies like hydrogen and electric flight, but in the very short term, what they've done is to develop a number of tools that help airlines and other travel operators as well to better assess their carbon impact so that they can then take action to mitigate it. But I think it's best if we hear it all directly from Heman. So without further ado, let me welcome him to the podcast. Hello, Heman. How are you? Very good. Thanks, Miguel. Pleasure to um, speak to you today. Thank you very much for being here today on, on the podcast. This is actually the second time that we have IATA uh, here being represented at the All Plane uh, podcast because we did a previous episode about fueling and, and fueling technology and digitalization, which is a field that I think you know really well. And, and today we have you here. You are the director of energy transition at IATA. And yeah, like all guests, I well, I will start by asking you to tell us a bit more about yourself and about your role at IATA, and then maybe we can move on to talk about all the different initiatives where IATA is is very active in the field of sustainability. Sure. Um, so yeah, I'll try and be brief in terms of um, some of my background. I'm an engineer by background, um, and I started um, my working career in air traffic control on the engineering side. And um, then I moved to management consulting, still in, within the aviation sphere, and really looking at you know how um, the aviation supply chain can um, improve efficiencies and, and also in terms of um, competitiveness and, and how best to invest for the future. And, um, and that's, that allowed me to join IATA um, almost 15 years ago now. And um, I, I worked initially in IATA on working with supply chain partners on how to improve efficiency um, and also make sure that, of course, you know, various uh, products and services are of, of, of the necessary quality and safety standards and all of those aspects as well. And fuel was one of those areas. Um, and recently, what we we understanding the priority for sustainability and the need to really move towards um Net zero, uh, we, we went through an organizational change and we pulled together a lot of the work we were doing on the fueling side and a lot of the work we were doing in the environment team and pulled it all in the, under one portfolio, which was the energy transition portfolio. And I'm the director of that. 
And most recently, we've gone through another transition where we've now brought together all of the sustainability aspects um, under a bigger umbrella. Um, so energy transition is one of the, the key areas that reports under a bigger grouping, which is sustainability and economics. Understanding that everything we look at in the future needs to be heading in that direction. Um, and so there's some other areas as well that fit into that overall portfolio of activities. But basically, we're all trying to make sure that as we move forward as an industry, that we're all heading in the necessary direction uh, for sustainability improvement to achieve um, various aspects, including net zero as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you very much for, for this detailed explanation. Actually, um, you anticipated the, my next question, which was how you guys at IATA are, are organized to uh, approach all these uh, different challenges that, uh, well, the race to, to net zero poses, because uh, we are seeing there's, there are quite a few technologies that are being uh, tested, quite a few different approaches that are not necessarily exclusive with each other. Um, there is SAF, there's hydrogen, there's many, uh, well, there's offsets as well. There are many different um, ways that people try to mitigate and ideally uh, decarbonize. Uh, we're still some way off that, but let's, I, I would say, I would suggest we, we can maybe um, approach, uh, talk about some of the different projects that you guys at IATA are, are currently uh, undertaking in, in this area. IATA, basically, it's an association of airlines. Uh, so I guess the sustainability is pretty much at the very top of the concerns of your of your members. And different airlines have been uh, announcing projects of many different sorts lately. I would like to start by talking about SAF, about sustainable aviation fuel. And what is, is there an official position here of IATA? Is there a specific let's say, time horizon or, or projects that involve your member airlines that you can talk about? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, first of all, the broader industry is looking at uh, at how best to to uh, use SAP and how best to increase the production and, and the utilization of SAP as quickly as possible. Um, and diff different stakeholders will have diff slightly different views, etc. But I mean, the important thing to understand is we're all heading in the right direction. There might be slightly slight differences in terms of ambition, but it is definitely all heading in in this in the right direction. Now, from our perspective, uh, what we did because we represent, as you said, um, um, over actually two hundred and over two hundred and ninety member airlines, which represents over eighty percent of the global passenger traffic. Um, so we have a very diverse community of membership um, across all regions. Um, but what we did was we we developed a, a, a model to, to try to try best understand how best we can transition and how best we can see the ramp up of SAF utilization across the membership. And according to that modeling, what we're looking at is that 65% of the total carbon abatement by 2050 will be done through the use of SAF according to that that modeling. Now, uh, one of the key aspects is that, um, maybe just to remind your, your listeners, one of the key aspects is that this detailed modeling and and, and our, our view of how we can get to net zero using all the other different um, decarbonization levers, um, we, we presented that to our membership and we have this, this uh, commitment to for the membership to reach net zero by 2050 as a result of that as well. 
Mm-hmm. So this this is where we see the um, and that's that gives an indication of the primacy of the use of SAF to get to net zero as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I imagine uh, basically you have this sort of let's say modeling uh, advisory role, uh, but then each airline it's pretty much pursuing this on on its own. I guess there is no uh, specific coordinated action by all the airlines in IATA. Right. Correct. Yeah. I mean, our role is really to to see how best we can facilitate the ramp up of SAF, work with the broader supply chain as well, um, and to make sure that you know there are better practices out there in terms of um, supporting procurement or what, whatever those aspects are. Right. And then we can coordinate with the airline so so that they can best um, have the right tools for the procurement side and all of the other aspects as well, and really work with the industry to coordinate a, a broader that transition to to the ambition basically right uh-huh do you have any specific position on which technologies which SAF technologies uh would be better or you just keep an open mind for all the different approaches processes we have the hefa process uh there's also a lot of talk about uh, synthetic fuels uh power to liquid fuels mm-hmm. um are you agnostic in when it comes to technology and well, wrapping up soft production? In principle, yes, first of all. But um, also, as, as we try to facilitate um, the ramp up of SAF, it's also important for us to, to work, as I say, across the supply chain and so on to make sure that the um that the, there is sufficient new development of SAF and, and the, the different um, opportunities are investigated at the right time. So, for example, you know, right now, as you rightly pointed out, um, the majority of SAF is is developed through the heifer pathway, uh, which is um, hydro process esters and fatty acids uh, use cooking oils, for example. Right. Yeah. Um, and that is really the primary source of SAF, as we see right now and maybe for the next um, three to uh, three to five years overall. Um, but um, uh, over time, as we see the ramp up of SAF, we would like to see that the what we would call the third generation feedstocks are, 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 are more investigated. And that also provides a greater opportunity in terms of the ramp up of SAF as well across different regions. So the third generation feedstocks, by the way, heifer would be an example of a second generation feedstock. Algae and so on would be an example of a first generation feedstock. So we're really moving forward in a progressive way in terms of feedstocks. Third generation feedstocks would include things like um, forestry and agricultural residues and also municipal waste, etc. And these types of feedstocks will, will, will have greater availability across different regions and also therefore allow you know, SAF to feedstock and production to be available on a more local level as well across, across different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. So we see a great opportunity there and also in terms of economies of scale and, and costing side as well. So um, this is really the sort of transition we'd be looking to move forward. Yeah, how how active is IATA in, let's say, in helping shape policy in these areas? Uh, we've seen in, in the EU, for example, the refuel uh, initiative that yeah. is setting up uh, rather ambitious goals in terms of SAP adoption and ramp up. Um, is this something, is this an area where IATA has been actively involved in the discussion? Uh, are there channels for IATA and your member airlines to basically shape uh, these type of measures? 
Yeah, and no, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, policy is really, really important in enabling uh, the transition for airlines to net zero. And we need the right sort of policy measures. Um, and if we just, if I can just step back a little bit, because I mean, I think one of the important yeah. things for governments to maybe consider as they go forward is policy needs to be complementary, you know, to across across different governments and, and global policy and all of those things. There, there needs to be a more joined up thinking as to how policy measures will actually enable a, the aviation industry, which let's not forget is not a local industry; it's an international industry right so you need policy to be more internationally coordinated it's fundamentally important um so you know if we can make sure that governments really think about policy as more of a more of an integrated approach to how best to facilitate energy transition and not to have overlapping conflicting policies which don't really um help but, but may add on cost to to the airlines which then um basically diverts investment which would be required for net zero you see so we are involved in in all all policy measures where we where we try to make sure that it's more aligned to how we can best get to net zero. So fit for fifty five is one of the areas as well where we've tried to try to make sure that um, there's more joined up thinking. Um, and you know we we have had some concerns in terms of the way that that's been heading. Um, I mean I, the idea of the ambition and all of those aspects is good. Sometimes the idea of, for example. Um, having sub targets for PTL and and so on may not be the right aspect at this stage because that technology, um, although I, I, we talked about SAF earlier in terms of biomass from using biomass, but using power to liquid solutions requires a bit more research and development at this stage. So, it would be better for governments to think about how best to facilitate that R and D as opposed to having a procurement objective on on that technology right now. So, yeah. and I think that's that's the kind of decision which needs to be taken more carefully as to where government support should really focus on uh, technology development, focus further down the actual um, the um, R and D side, um, as opposed to just just focus on what would be a procurement aspect itself. Yeah, yeah, indeed. I I must say I personally found quite ambitious the. The target set up by this policy when it comes to synthetic fuels, because, yeah, as you said, it, it's a very promising but still very early stage technology. Um, we had actually here on the on this podcast we had some some people that come from this side of the industry, and and it was absolutely fascinating what what they told us. But but yeah, I mean, if you look at the volumes that they are producing now, it's still very very small. So, I I I hope it it's gonna work out. But yeah, very ambitious. Um, yeah. yeah, and then in in the meantime, you are doing as Ayata, you are you are busy with other initiatives that uh, aim to provide more transparency and and more, let's say, uh, better ways for people to estimate their carbon footprint and to take decisions accordingly. Uh, one of them is the uh, the one that's called IATA CO2 Connect. And it's basically, it's a, it's a model that you have made available through online for, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it can be used via API as well. So people can embed that into their own um, calculation tools to basically to estimate the carbon footprint when traveling by air, uh, what can you tell us about this this project, the CO2 Connect? 
Yeah, I mean, I think this is really, uh, you know, the, the complementary side to us uh, moving forward on the energy transition aspect. We also want the consumer to have visibility of uh, what the CO2 impact is, of course. Um, so we developed um, through our uh, standards making mechanism, we worked with industry partners to develop a basic methodology for, for CO2 um, impact uh, per flight. And that is that's a standard sort of almost like a calculation mechanism, which anybody can use. And of course, we we're expecting more and more industry partners to start to use that basic methodology. So that's really important because if, when a consumer starts to consider which flight to book and so on, that they want they more and more want to see what the CO2 impact is. And it's really important that that calculation is done in a standardized way. So consumers don't see conflicting numbers. That's confusing for people. It doesn't help. So we worked on trying making sure that we have a, a clear methodology, which is fair um, and, and basically, you know, provides that necessary transparency for the consumer in terms of booking. Now, um, so obviously we will hope to see more of the, the aggregators and so on take up that methodology over time. So there'll be more consistency for the consumer. Now, that's a generic methodology, of course, you know, um, and there's only so much data you can use um, to, to actually provide, you know, the indication for that, um, for a particular flight per, per, per leg or per aircraft. Now, CO2 Connect, you mentioned, is a much more sophisticated um, um, tool, which where you can work with it, where IATA and, and other, other stakeholders can work with, with airlines. And it's the airlines that's able to provide more sophisticated data on a per flight, per aircraft type, per configuration type, et cetera. So it provides much more accuracy for the consumer in terms of what is actually the, the CO2 impact. Again, using the same sort of methodology, but much more granularity in terms of the data and, and so on as well. And the, all this data then, then feeds into, into general improvement of, of, of basic data, which is available, et cetera. So this is all, all of, um, I think, a very important aspect about providing transparency to consumers. Um, this also drives you know, the, the aspect of, of us being able to track net zero as well going forward, right? It's really important. So it's not just a question of, of of trying to make sure we have the ramp up and airlines are buying um, SAF or we haven't spoke about other energy carriers like hydrogen and so on. Maybe we can talk about that. Yeah, but, sure. um, you know, it's also about, you know, being able to track mm -hmm. how we're doing. It's really important that we're able to show that we're making progress, etc. So um, we also have a program which is Track um, Net Zero which will be looking at how best we can get collect the right data from the airline so we can track the industry's progress and have that available to different stakeholders, you know, governments and financiers and other aspects as well. So really important that we're looking at both sides of this, how we get there and, and show that we're getting there as well. Because this CO2 Connect, uh, you have developed uh, basically a, a way for that to use this uh, technology, this calculator, you, if you are, for example, you are an online travel agent or, or you are an airline or, or some travel provider, you, you could use that. So it, it plugs into your system and people can just input their travel data. So going from point A to point B and, and then calculate what's a, what's a carbon footprint based on the methodology that you have developed, right? Exactly. So That's it the will tell you, okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the CO2 Connect is, is provides more granularity that provide that requires a bit more airline specific data, but it provides more. It's a more sophisticated calculator. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And is it free to use? The methodology one will be yes, but as I say, the the CO2 one is requires the airline inputs as well, so it's it, it's a bit more sophistication required on that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Yeah. It, it, what you mentioned other. Other pathways to to get to this net zero, the the abuse of hydrogen, electric. Um, what sort of activities you as IATA have in in those fields? Um, I'm asking that because I know many of your airlines are relatively large airlines. You have lots of uh, what used to be known as as flag carriers, uh, all these big network airlines. So I don't know up to what point this, um, for example, electric flight is relevant to you because it's it's a it's a field of development of, of the sustainable aviation that so far is touching mostly, uh, let's say more like regional and local air travel. And hydrogen is a, is a different story, but maybe we're a bit, a bit farther uh, from, from that uh, until the Airbuses and the Boeings develop the, 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 the aircraft that can run on, on that fuel. What's what's your activity here in in these areas? I don't know if you have a specific programs, projects, initiatives that you can comment yeah. on. Yeah, I know indeed, and I think it's it's a really important point. I mean, first of all, as I mentioned earlier, you know, SAF is is our primary um, vehicle to to support net zero, um, but of course we're looking at all other energy solutions as well. Um, and um, as as you rightly say, you know, there's 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 two other options. There's there's the use of battery. Um, and the use of hydrogen. Um, now, the use of battery comes with with um, certain power to weight limitations, uh, which means that um, battery powered aircraft would probably have limitations in terms of distance and, and size of aircraft, um, very much limited to sort of um, more domestic or very small commuter type applications, I would guess. Um, SAF, of course, let's not forget, SAF has a great benefit because it's a drop-in solution. To conventional jet fuel. So with SAF, what's really important for, for, for people to understand is you're able to just mix it with conventional fuel or, and, and in the future just use 100% SAF as well, but you don't have to change anything on the ground system um, in terms of tanking at, at the airport, the fueling system, or even anything on the aircraft, um, the aircraft systems, including the engines. Everything works as is. So it, with SAF, you're ready to go, right? Yeah. Um, with hydrogen, it would require quite a, a significant um, retrofit or a new airframe design itself because hydrogen provides a very different solution. Um, first of all, there's a lot more R&D required for R&D uh, for hydrogen to become to maturity right now. So let's let's not think it's ready a ready solution right now. Um, but as as the developments come to maturity, we can foresee that. Uh, there, there would be opportunities for, for new aircraft, which would have a slightly different um, tank solution, uh, storage solution on, on, on board the aircraft, because it wouldn't, the fuel wouldn't be stored in a wing because the volume is required. So you have to have a separate tank in the aircraft itself. Um, but it does provide more, more uh, thrust, more power than jet. Um, but th there are challenges in terms of how you would store that that energy carrier itself, right? So with that with that complete refiguration on the aircraft or a new airframe and so on, th there are solutions for hydrogen. And of course, the, the benefit hydrogen provides is that um, there's no um, CO2 emissions uh, as a result 
of um, its um, combustion as well, right? So, so we're looking at that, but we're not seeing any solutions really come in in terms of use until about after 2035. Do you have any specific uh, projects in in this area in in hydrogen? Um, same way that, for example, you you have uh, yeah, I mean, you've been actively involved in this, let's say, SAF uh, lobbying or, or SAF uh, policy uh, consultation. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, we're, we're actively tracking what's happening in terms of the R&D space for, for hydrogen, uh, looking to see what various um, actors um, are doing. I mean, first of all, all of the big OEMs I know are involved in some shape or form on, on hydrogen, although it's at the early stages. Um, there are quite a few um, smaller um, um, companies which which are being very innovative in, in terms of what can be yeah. done. And it's and there's some good solutions, right? Yeah. Um, and um, so so we are coordinating with, with these different parties to see how best this can provide a solution going forward. Um, but right right now, our immediate priorities is definitely on making sure we have the right ramp up of SAF mm -hmm. um, and, and the necessary volumes. Because we th this is one of the problems which we really are looking to to resolve very quickly, and we are heading in the right direction. Is that the production volume for SAF right now is quite low? Yes. Um, so what we want to see is, is more ramp up in terms of SAF production. Uh, so that the airlines have the ability to to procure the volumes of SAF which they want to do to get towards net zero itself. Now, the good thing is, if, if I may just, just to continue on that, the good thing we see is that when we look at the production volume for renewable fuel capacity going in, you know, the refining capacity going in for renewable fuels, um, we are seeing a big ramp up on that. And SAF would normally be a, a cut of that you see, so the output for, for a renewable fuel refine, re refinery normally can and should have a, a percentage of SAF as an output as well. So as we see this general volume ramp up for renewable fuel capacity around the world, we should see a ramp up in, in terms of SAF itself. So that's what, this is something where we're really putting a priority. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, thank you very much for this very uh, detailed overview of, of what you guys are doing as the you know the the major industry body i thought it was um really um a must to have your your point of view on all these different uh different options different pathways we are commenting because we here on on, on this podcast and, and on the on the all playing website we often talk about all this but it's often from the point of view of entrepreneurs that are somehow a bit of outsiders of the industry that are kind of trying to transform it from outside but it, it's good to know you know what's the point of view of of the of the insiders like in this case like the body representing nearly 200 airlines some of the most important largest airlines out there um for people that wish to learn more about uh what you guys do at ayata and very particularly about these tools that you have online for people to to use and to and to plug into um where should they look at uh where should would uh, where would you direct them to well i mean first of all our website is is i think i hope also is is very useful for um 
for your listeners and um i, I would i would recommend um just to search on the website first of all and um, basically uh, if there's a need for sorry, more that, detailed information tell me that's, that's ayata.org yeah ayata.org yeah, yeah. not dot yeah. com or dot dot org no. <laughs> okay indeed yeah mm-hmm. uh, but i'm i'm very happy if there's more detailed questions or also want to to direct them directly to me that would and my email address is uh, mystery h m i s t r y h at ayata.org and i'd be very happy to to either answer questions directly or to field them to to one of our expert staff as well so excellent well thank you so much hamant for your time today and for giving us the point of view of of the industry about all this very current topic of airline sustainability aviation sustainability and yeah i'll invite everyone to go check these resources i'm going to be posting links on the show notes as well so that everyone can check and that people can uh, play around a little bit also with the co2 calculators so is this something is this a tool you uh, keep working on i mean it's yes it's, uh, Absolutely. the data is being updated so it's it's getting it's getting uh, better and better as you get more data points Indeed, that's that. That is the uh, overall objective to to have richer data as we go forward as well, and so the accuracy will always improve. Yeah, mm-hmm. excellent. Well, thank you so much, Hemant. Thank you. Before you go, one last word from me. If you like this podcast, please give it a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get this podcast from. That really helps get the word out. Thank you very much, and see you soon. Okay.